Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mitch McConnell, Leffler, Purdue, they are the Bonnie and Clyde of corruption. But I noticed the New York Times today called for something, they didn't call it this, but it almost felt like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Is that something that our current politics could allow allow to happen? Bush killed hundreds of thousands of people abroad. You know, brown and black people in faraway countries that we don't care about. Donald Trump killed hundreds of thousands of people or presided over the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, preventable death, here at home in the United Uh. States of America. Well, I guess he's Bonnie and Clyde, too. Since Bonnie and Clyde, according to Ayanna Presley, is um, is um, Purdue, Leffler, and McConnell. I don't know, maybe she should have worked on that one a little bit. Okay, so there is all sorts of insanity. We have so much, we have so much insane, just dumb, moronic audio. And this is actually probably the lesson of today, uh, is that if there's anything I think we should take away from our politics and media, it's that these people are by and large dumb people. <laughs> they are. They are dumb. mostly they are dumb people. They they have most of them have very nice degrees and are mm-hmm. told they're very smart. Imiche Alcindor just won a big award. She's an incompetent, unintelligent reporter. There's a bunch of that in the White House press corps. Well, and let the record show, I think that the problem isn't with people being dumb. It's with a bunch of dumb people getting told they're geniuses who ought to be right. running the world, who are much, much smarter than your average. Because, I mean, a lot of people aren't very smart. Who cares? You know, it's not all about being smart in life. But, like, the problem is, is when you take dumb people and you empower them to empower them to think that they should be running the world. Right, they're much smarter the, so, than you. The, the reporter who really just has a job to do, and people talk about this all the time, that reporters used to be very blue-collar people. Some mm-hmm. of them went to college, some of them didn't. You know, Some of them uh, just had a whiff of education. But they had real-life experience. A lot of the, the, the wave of reporters, journalists who came out of World War II, had very different life experiences in previous to those people. 
Denise people have been coddled, you know, have been, have made their way into getting really prestigious um, degrees from hugely progressive colleges, etc. And then, of course, they go on to be surrounded by exactly like-minded activist reporters, and they give each other awards and have and fet each other as much as possible. The person who says this... It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years, and now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. The person who says that should never get an award that has anything <laughs> to do with journalism. But that's fine, because they reward each other. They think that each other... It's, it's funny, it's interesting just how much signaling now happens with, their, with the way they speak to each other. And these wacky progressives now have to weave progressive messaging into everything they say that it's 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 a pageant. It's no longer really effective communication. It's simply a pageant espousing just how noble they are and just how woke and in tune and uh, with the how untone deaf they are. If you don't weave the words as well as they do. You are tone deaf. And we're going to play the new uh, Secretary of the Interior, which I thought was a fairly limited in scope job <laughs> description. It is no longer. It is no longer. Secretary of the Interior now is in, is in charge of social justice, climate, uh, equality in every sense of the uh, word, um, you know, uh, pushing back against uh, systems. My God, I didn't, I didn't know. It's a really big job now. It didn't used to be. It used to be National Parks. Um, Indian Affairs Bureau and a couple of other things. No, no, it's Secretary of Everything. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of that happening though. But there's some breaking news. The um, the new COVID relief package. Apparently, they've got a deal struck. Uh, Alice, I think the people want to know how much money they're getting. Uh, so it's supposed to be six hundred dollars per person. The spring was twelve hundred per person. And so that's a check. For six hundred for Alice, six hundred for Tom. Right. Um, I am not totally clear if they're counting kids. We also got five hundred dollars per kid in the spring, which if you're us is really great. Yes. But <laughs> for some people that part doesn't really matter that much. But for us that was really a a uh uh game changer yes. was the children that we, we very We put cleverly... all that money into their robust college funds. <laughs> We very cleverly had lots of children. So um that I'm not totally clear. I haven't been able to find it in any of the news stories in the last like 20 minutes since this has been out or whatever but um but yes six hundred dollars per person so half the amount if you're an adult that you got in the spring um and that is supposed to pass by sunday night they have supposedly reached a deal which to the people listening is tonight um yes yes um and then uh no or yesterday that's right yeah the um uh, the Furthest in the past Sunday night's going to be for you is yesterday. Yeah, some people listen a little later, too. Right. I don't know. Anyway. For us, it's Sunday night. Now. 6, 20, and 3, mm -hmm. Eastern Mountain Time. And it's going to be $300 per week additional unemployment, unlike it was 600 um, per week additional unemployment right. in the summer. Um, so that'll be... That uh, more money that for, train, for schools, uh, coronavirus testing, and vaccine distribution. <clears throat> so, um, so there were some more negotiations. So six hundred supposedly they're supposedly getting the text finalized. And it, the thing is that this is a total McConnell victory, and this essentially this package. And McConnell said it tonight, and he's right. 
is that this could have happened five months ago. This didn't need yeah. to take this long. Well, they're at so the total for those of you deficit hawks out there, the total was nine hundred billion. Um, so if you're keeping track, uh, Pelosi started at four trillion, uh, came down to two point something trillion mm-hmm. eventually, and uh, you know the Republicans had offered them one point six trillion, and they wouldn't take that. That was in October. Republicans said, mm-hmm. "How about one point six trillion?" And the Democrats said, "No." So this is Nancy Pelosi's negotiating prowess is with all her. Um, Clever negotiation techniques, she managed to get them down to exactly where the Republicans started. Right. And and so, you know, she had been, Mnuchin promised her the world and was willing to do whatever she wanted all through the summer. Right. She kept jerking him around, essentially. She wanted to use this. She didn't want relief. She wanted to use it to blow out Republicans in the election in November. And, and uh, you know, people suffered in the meantime and businesses and livelihoods mm-hmm. were destroyed. And then the election came, and people actually blew out many Democrats right. for it, which was a, a really um, uplifting uh, thing to mm-hmm. see that the people saw right through the ruse. And the reason why now Pelosi has been has had to submit here to what she would have called a pittance, just a, a right. A she called one point six trillion a pittance. Right. A few months ago, she rejected one point six trillion and ended up with mm-hmm. nine hundred billion. So. Well done, Pelosi. Great negotiating. Exactly. And hopefully her caucus is mad at her because Oh, there's there's no doubt that AOC will be rip bleep because they have learned the the, the lesson of slogans like defund the police and celebrating socialism is damaging. Mm -hmm. And um, and for her to hold the country ransom for an election win was disgusting. And the reason why she's capitulated so easily this time is Georgia, really, the mm-hmm. Georgia election, and um, she doesn't want to get beat up there again. I'm sure that she is hoping to God that this is an investment that if Georgia, if the Democrats can win Georgia, and they could now, they I'm can, more, yeah, it's more likely than than what it was before. Mm-hmm. And Republicans have themselves to blame, and in Trump uh, is not helping the cause down there. Oh no, no, no. no. Um, then, then she can work and have a said, monster bill uh, with uh, the Biden administration. Yeah. That being said, I don't think the Republicans are doing really a bang up job campaigning in Florida, and and there is a possibility Republicans could lose those seats. But I still, still at this point in time, I would be surprised if that happened. I want to reassure people a little bit because there's a lot of kind of like panic porn about the floating around in the. Republican online media sphere about like how there was one a piece I saw from the blaze today that somebody sent me that said that more people requested absentee or requested mail-in ballots than voted in November and that is true but fewer people have requested mail-in ballots than requested mail-in ballots for November so not everyone who requests a mail-in ballot actually votes. Turnout will be lower in January than it was in November. And um, in, although Trump lost Georgia, and I fully believe there was fraud with the mail-in ballots, although maybe not at the organized level Sidney Powell thinks there was, but um, Trump did lose Georgia. But in spite of the fraud, Republicans got more votes than Democrats in both of those Georgia Senate races in November. This is just their primary process, basically, is how this works. Mm-hmm. So 
with turnout set to be lower in January, I do think there's still a very strong chance Republicans will hang on to, if not both, then at least David Perdue's seat. I, Loeffler is a little bit of a weak candidate, I think, for the current moment. But, it, you know, Republicans could win both and they're likely to. Uh, Purdue is likely at least to win, certainly, and not. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, th- there is a chance. There is a chance. And there, it's a long time in politics, as mm-hmm. we've seen. A lot could go wrong with Republicans. Trump could do something nuts it, over the next couple of weeks and it, totally blow up their chances down there. Yeah, well, let's hope not. And, and this is remarkable. We talk about the fact that in the 2016 progressives, people on the left in this country, some normally very decent, nice people, mm-hmm. oh, the yard sign uh, mafia, we'll call them, <laughs> was born out of Trump's victory. And yeah. in the, they never could reconcile with why that was. And, and um, you know, they always had to blame Russia or some other cheating or this or that happened and whatever mm-hmm. it was. So they never reconciled with why why they, they, lo- they uh, lost there now you're seeing it on the other side with the trump people now it just can't it can't get around a lot of trump folks can't wrap their minds around it we were people who both voted for trump uh i didn't expect him to win i don't think either of us did going into it on election night it looked pretty good but whatever but my point is that that democrats again now don't seem to be understanding what happened on election day right they think that <laughs> the the conservatism, Republicans, Republican politics, and even some Trump politics, was completely cast off by America, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And their projects that they wanted was cast off. You know, right? Only Trump was thrown out. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump policies not necessarily actually. You know, and conservative conservatism, not at all. Right. Um, so, but now they're acting like like an invading army where now they're going to say, okay, you know, we've got to, mm-hmm. um, that person needs to be punished. In the open, you heard it. You know, half these people need to be punished and this person <laughs> needs to, we need to teach the people in the country now, the Trump people who believed all of the lies and everything for we need to try to since we can't expel them we have to try to teach them now how to be better because it's not us obviously we don't have to <laughs> learn anything because we didn't you know we're always we were we were always right on everything we would be right in 2016 as well if trump didn't get to putin to help him because hotels and stuff so now there's this attitude where what has to happen you know as if as if they've won something here, mm-hmm. and they won the presidency in in incredibly anomalous election. I mean, this was a crazy event that happened. These four years have been very unusual. This kind of heightened, you know, people have. This has been an extraordinary time in the country, but this idea now, going from truth, truth, truth and reconciliation. <laughs> You're saying those words? Right. Well, now what do we do with the Trump people? In other words, the, you know, the brown shirts who now have been cast, or lost. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The Trump people in the state houses, conservatives did better than you. Mm-hmm. In Congress, conservatives were within a handful of congressmen. Mm-hmm. This was a horrific defeat for them. Yeah. Considering also 
you had Donald Trump, who was a hugely polarizing guy with a with a, a very unorthodox style, with all of this coverage, with the way he was treated by the media, with all this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with the fake impeachment crap and this and that, all the other stuff. And still, he got that many votes, and mm -hmm. the people of his party, they almost had coattails from Trump without Trump. Right, exactly. You know? It was crazy. And for them to be acting like this, and I was I was watching, I uh, listened to, I listened to every week um, the Meet the Press podcast. It's just the show with mm -hmm. Chuck Todd. And he's got, Yumiche Alcindor was there today because why wouldn't she be? And uh, Hallie Jackson, who's the MSNBC person. Um, and then it, you know, they've got a, he has Rich Lowry on, which is good. Okay, yeah. But anyway, this idea that they're, they sound like an occupying army. Um, it's like, what do we do now? This is Haley Jackson saying, like, what do we do now with the, with the Trump people, et cetera? We are seeing it now crystallize this year uh, into not just sort of the poisonous discourse that I think Rich is correctly talking about, but almost the, this, this division into two separate realities here in this country. We've seen it as it relates to the health of Americans with this pandemic and the concern, the skepticism that public health experts are so, so worried about with people not taking COVID seriously, not believing the science, not believing the data. We've seen it with the that's you if you happen to own a MAGA hat or you're a Trump guy. That's you're not doing this. You're not believing these institutions now. You know, you're not believing us. Even us, you're not believing. So this democracy and people also in this country, those who especially support President Trump, believing uh, not in the sort of foundational structures that hold our democracy up, but believing what President Trump has said instead. Here we are four years later, and it's not just alternative facts, Chuck. It's it's an alternative set of realities. And that is going to have some serious, I think, impacts moving forward, not just in the political. They don't believe everything. They don't believe all the institutions. They don't believe the CIA always tells the truth all the time. They don't believe the FBI tells the truth all the time. They don't believe the institution of journalists, <laughs> us. They don't believe we tell the truth all the time. Huh. They don't believe the CDC now. They have problems with the CDC. They think that the CDC may not be credible. I mean, could it be the mixed messaging on masks? Could it be the idea that, that, um, that outdoor dining had to be shot in the head? Uh, even though, by all accounts, it's not unsafe. Could it be that public health officials in places like um, California and the governor went out to eating and drinking at a restaurant and they mm -hmm. routinely, these same people are caught going out? Mm -hmm. I, oh, and there's a new one of those, too. Let's go, let's go right into that, Alice. Yeah, so uh, this is really um, an, quite an incredible one. Let's see. This is one of the superstars of the oh. health expert resistance to Trump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So has COVID-19 cases skyrocketed? This is from the AP. So this isn't some It's an institution. News, it's an institution that you should believe. Okay. Uh, Washington, AP. As COVID-19 cases skyrocketed before the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, Dr. Deborah Burks, coordinator of the White House Coronavirus Response, warned Americans to be vigilant and limit celebrations to your immediate household. For many Americans, that guidance has been difficult to abide, including for Burks herself. The day after Thanksgiving, she traveled to one of her vacation properties on Fenwick Island in Delaware. <laughs> she was accompanied by three generations of her family from two households. Burks, her husband, Paige Ref, 
a daughter, son-in-law, and two young grandchildren were present. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has asked Americans not to travel over the holidays and discourages indoor activity involving members of different households. People who do not currently live in your housing unit, such as college students returning home from school for the holidays, should be considered part of different households. Even in Burke's everyday life, there are challenges meeting that standard. She and her husband have a home in Washington. She also owns a home in nearby Potomac, Maryland, where her elderly parents... Now, hold on. AP says, even in Burke's everyday life, she has a challenge. Mm-hmm. Reading that, she has a challenge. You need to shut up and not kill your right. parents. And let it be she noted. Has a cha- everybody has challenges. Her challenge is owning... Two places to live out of more places to live than that, but two of the places where she lives in some of the most expensive zip codes in America, but okay. She also owns a home in nearby Potomac, Maryland. That sounds like a real challenge, owning two homes, you know, one kind of close to your job and one really close to your job, where her elderly parents and her daughter and family live and where Burke's visits intermittently. In addition, the children's other grandmother, who is 77, also travels regularly to the Potomac house and returns to her 92-year-old husband near Baltimore. Burks's own experiences underline the complexity and difficulty of trying to navigate the perils of the pandemic while balancing a job, family, and health, especially among essential workers like her. <laughs> Is that what you think of when you think essential worker? People people with struggles to navigate during the pandemic. Read that people- sentence again. I'm okay. sorry, I got a te- so this is this is she's just like grocery store workers who've lost yes. their childcare here. So Burks's own experiences underline the complexity and difficulty of trying to navigate the so perils of the pandemic while balancing a job, family, and health. Especially, isn't it nice to have complexity? Especially, I want to among- be able to have complexity. I want the restaurants in Massachusetts that are being fined. To let the uh, health officials know that they have complexity. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Everybody else's life is so, you know, humdrum and, you know, you know owning easy three facile. homes really it's, can you know, complicate it, things for right. you. If you're in a but, pandemic, it can be really extra difficult for you if you own three homes. If you own a pizza shop, <laughs> you don't have complexity. You're stupid. You make yeah, you just want you have people the to dough, die. you have tomato sauce, <laughs> maybe a tip jar over here. You might do chicken wings too. That's eat. That your life is simple. Other people have complexity. You're all set. You know, mm-hmm. just buy a used uh, Chevy Nova and, uh, you know, in a crappy house in uh, Malton, Massachusetts. And, you know, just be simple and be quiet. Us important people, doctors, both PhDs and EDDs and whatever, <laughs> we have complexity. You don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and it says that it highlights the young, it underlines the complexity. Complexity and difficulty of trying to navigate the perils of the God, pandemic. God, the AP is beautiful. While the AP is beautiful. While balancing a job, the, family, and health, especially among essential workers. Complexity like her. was not a term used for anybody <laughs> in Trump's radius. They don't have. They don't get to have complexity. Mm-hmm. Oh man, talk about good progressive Ooh. privilege, man. Yeah. Complexity, Jesus. Yeah. So then she, yeah. Then there are some people saying maybe she shouldn't continue on with the Biden administration. There's, um, and she put out a statement saying that she went to the um Delaware property to deal with the winterization before a potential sale, something she previously hadn't had time to do because of her busy schedule. I did not go to Delaware for the purpose I, of celebrating. You no, know, what must that be like? Burke a busy schedule. Statement. What must that be like? The rest of us mm-hmm. here, we don't have busy schedules. We're stupid, you know. I've just watched um, the frigging 
who's the lion guy? Tiger King on a loop and <laughs> with my and mouth breathe. And we don't have complexity or busy schedules. Those yeah, really we don't have hard things to do, like selling our vacation home on. Right. Sorry, what or was friends, the island called that or, her vacation home is on? Sorry. Or um, friends with Fenwick Island, our Fenwick Island vacation, and we don't have to deal with problems like that. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, you and I have simple little lives where we don't have problems. Yes. Like Dr. I was, Burks. Uh, was weighing oh. it this weekend today. Do I <laughs> do I go to the Haverhill Market basket in the where in the pastry section, the bakery section, where the stuff is? half rotten and discounted <laughs> or Fenwick Island and it could have gone either way in the end I went for Market Basket because you know complexity I don't want that kind of problems right like you and, know life is tough if you're a Dr. Burks oh yeah and, and well here's the AP too and then you have these you know the complexity issue uh, you know, is not one that's ever ever had to work through when they talk about Trump voters and people who supported Trump they're, they're not complex they need to be um, reckoned with. You know, Yamish, what kind of appetite do you think the Biden administration is going to have? You know, I talked about a COVID commission. I think that's I think that's likely to happen, something like that. But I noticed the New York Times today called for something. They didn't call it this, but it almost felt like a truth and reconciliation commission. Is that something that our current politics could allow ha- allow to happen? So a truth and reconciliation question, that should be what this segment is about. Yamish, holy hell, the New York Times was suggesting a truth and reconciliation question. Talk to me about the journalistic ethics of such a thing. Talk to me about the ethics at all or the civil liberties implications of such a thing. That's this segment on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. <laughs> no, it's about, huh, interesting thought piece in the New York <laughs> Times about the uh, interrogation rooms. Yamish, could we implement such a wonderful thing? I think because of this thing that um, former President Obama called truth decay, it's very hard to have a truth and reconciliation commission when Americans can't agree on the. It was said best by Barack Obama. (laughs) So, you know, you know, somebody who was the absolute gold standard of a truth talker, you know, somebody who can't be impugned. So I'll cite him. On this truth, Hallie Jackson's talking about um, Kellyanne Conway ta- talking to you about alternative facts. I remember being on Meet the Press when Rudy Giuliani told you truth isn't truth. It is the thing that defined the Trump administration and this era that there is they wanted to completely create a new version of the truth. And so many Americans, more than 75 million of them went along with that for President Trump. I'm not sure if we can get to a place where Americans can sit down and say, let's talk about what our right. differences when we can't even agree on the facts. They're too stupid, Chuck. Don't you understand? <laughs> 75 million morons listen to the Trump administration lie. In another segment, I don't have the audio for it, before this, Chuck Todd is one of these health officials on, mm-hmm. one of the ones from the CDC who left because Trump was mean. And uh, Chuck Todd asked him, he said, um, he said, uh, like, why, what was the, why, you, you left or you were very unhappy at one point. Trump was pushing back in pushing you guys to change and to change the messaging you were using uh, about kids staying home from school. Um, and how much did that bother you when he was doing that to you, undermining you? And the guy, you know, was it sounded like a mindless bureaucrat, you know, just kind of sidestepped the question and said, yeah, we got pushed back. And it was very, it, it, it's very tough because we work so hard. We put the hours in, whatever. But the point is, yeah. Trump had this crazy notion, Trump and the lying Trump people, had this crazy (laughs) notion that kids should be back in school, that schools shouldn't close, and that schools were safe. 
he had this crazy mm-hmm. notion, which undermined the CDC, which knows all of the things. They know all of the things about about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. The CDC said, CDC said, no, 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 we can't have the kids back in the schools. You have to be out of the schools. Right. Trump said go back to school. CDC now is on on team back to school. But Trump yeah. was undermining them then. But I think what you're forgetting is that the real public health threat of going back to school is not actually COVID. And he guesses what – it's the, another big public health threat was in the news this year. I don't know if you remember. Public health threat? Mm-hmm. Um, was it the racial reckoning? Yes. Racism is a much bigger public health threat than COVID, I was told this summer. And uh, reopening the schools under these conditions can be very risky for kids suffering from the epidemic of racism in America. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but um, certainly uh, I have it on very good authority that um, some very smart people in New York are are concerned about this and are fighting back, actually. Um, have you heard, Thomas, of the Dalton School in Manhattan? No, but it sounds very nice. I assume it's not it named after the um, hero from Roadhouse. Uh, n- um. Do you know the hero from Roadhouse? No. The great Patrick Swayze has Dalton Payne Don't Hurt. No. You'll give DM us if you you (laughs) let me know, people of comparable or older age, exactly what Alice needs to ingest. Have you not seen Roadhouse? No. Oh, Alice. I don't know what you'll think. You know, you're kind of cool, so you may think it's cool. It's it's a frighteningly horrific thing. Um, and the fact that people of my generation loved it tells you that we were adequately stupid. Okay. Um, All right. Well, but I can tell you. Was this the one that you played some of on the yes, podcast I did. a few Pain months don't ago? Hurt. That's okay. right. Yes. Okay, good. Well, anyway, his anyway, name was Dalton, just so you his know. His name was Dalton. I don't think this is named after that, Dalton. Probably not, but this we is will a, check. Uh, this is a very uh, highly regarded school in Manhattan. It costs $54,000 a year to send your mm-hmm. kid there. And um, they are having. They were in the news earlier this year because they didn't. They weren't going to reopen because of COVID. Fifty four thousand. So, and some parents were upset about this at the time because uh, they pay fifty four thousand dollars to send their kids there for Zoom classes. So, uh, anyway, they're back. Uh, this blogger managed to get a hold of. Um, this is from the Naked Dollar blog, um, from a finance tech guy, um, and. He managed to get a hold of this letter that the faculty wrote to the school uh, because the faculty doesn't want to reopen the school. The school decided maybe they should actually reopen and the faculty is not having it um, because of the other public health epidemic in America. Uh, So the Dalton School, one of the most prestigious private schools in Manhattan, is in the throes of a full on racial meltdown. The precursor of this, as reported in Bloomberg News, was the school refusing to reopen, even while most of the other public and private schools in New York did. This despite any lack of uh, the lack of any scientific evidence suggesting schools were significant vectors for COVID-19. Parents signed an angry letter saying that the $54,000 annual tuition, none of which was being rebated, should buy something more than Zoom classes. Possibly relenting under the pressure, Dalton has announced plans to reopen. But this has ignited another firestorm, this time from the faculty. 
Apparently, reopening is racist. The charge has been leveled by black faculty and staffers. They suggest, among other things, that faculty of color are at more risk from having to come back to work. The reasoning is that they have, on average, more distant commutes and therefore expose themselves to longer uh, rides on risky public transportation. Over 100 faculty have taken the opportunity to issue a lengthy set of racially based demands that are breathtaking in their wokeness. Black students have added their own demands. These demands, which have been obtained exclusively by the Naked Dollar blog, go on for eight pages and have as their underlying assumption that Dalton is systemically racist. Dalton's teachers are refusing to come back until these are met. Parents are in an uproar, some threatening to remove their children. Major donors are said to be balking. The board, filled with New York movers and shakers, is in turmoil. The Naked Dollar blog has learned that they have contracted an outside consulting firm to advise on handling the crisis. Here, here is a sampling of the demands. Mm-hmm. The hiring of 12 full-time diversity officers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> An additional full-time employee whose entire role is to support black students who come forward with complaints. Oh, wait, what's it, who's that? They want an additional full-time employee whose job whose one job is to field complaints of racism from black students. None of the dozen new diversity officers can shoulder that task? (laughs) No, that has to be a separate person. The hiring of multiple psychologists with specialization (laughs) in the psychology... They certainly could use a couple of those. (laughs) Not this type, though. They want ones with specialization in the psychological issues affecting ethnic minority populations. Yes, good. The payoff of the student debt of incoming black faculty. Hey, have you noticed, Bill, that there's 87 <laughs> more people here this week than there were last week? And they all have uh, key cards. <laughs> there's nowhere to park in the parking lot anymore. Um, they want the school to pay off the student debt of any new incoming black faculty. That's excellent. <laughs> I'm all for that, actually. You know, so, so my feeling is this, is that the Dalton Paint on Heart School is probably... This is my uh, speculation, mm-hmm. is that they probably did all the right things. This is a super woke school. This is one okay. reason parents of send course. their kids there. It's of already course. Really they did woke. all the right things. They did the little but that's b- why. power they, thing this the summer. Sharks they they apologized for being uh, racist. They, oh, this is too good. I'm for this measure. <laughs> I support the, these uh, conditions. Um, we're not done. We're not done. So they want to pay off the student debt of any incoming black faculty. They want to reroute. That is one hell of a way to attract <laughs> multi-credentialed uh, people to your school. Um, reroute 50% of all donations to the school to the New York City public schools. Excellent. <laughs> what the hell is the reason behind that wiring? Because um, because Wait, they're privileged. Right. So the do- they shouldn't be getting money while the New York city public schools which i assume are horrifically underfunded suffer and those students that can't go to dalton they suffer. should unionize those public schools it seems <laughs> to me they get a uh, they do better um they want the elimination of ap courses if black students don't score as high as white students by 2023 is that that's not racist that's allowed <laughs> if the black students don't do well we get rid of the course okay <laughs> Um, they want required courses on black liberation, <laughs> reduced tuition for black students. What are the, wait, what are the 12 guys do <laughs> nine to five? They, well, that's going to be clear in a minute. Hang on. I haven't got 
to that. But there's also mandatory community and diversity days to be held throughout the year and required anti-bias training conducted every year for all staff and all parent volunteers. <sighs> so if you're a parent who wants to like hand out snacks right. at the swim meet or help then with you, recess, yeah, then you... you have mandatory diversity training every year. Exactly. Then I- Ibram Kendi gets a yell at you. <laughs> Or one of your 12 new diversity officers that you pay $54,000 a year to fund them. Probably more once they implement all this, I assume. Reduced tuition for black students whose photographs appear in school promotional materials. Public anti- Wait a second. Why? So the reasoning, so I went and looked at the underlying letter and read more about the the paragraph of reasoning about this. So they feel that black students aren't being compensated for the value that they bring to school. So like just like the NCAA, you know, if Mm -hmm. they're they're not paying black athletes or whatever who deserve to be paid for their labor. So like they feel that if the school is using the images of black students to promote their school, that those students should be paid in the form of tuition reimbursement. Um. Public anti-racism statements required from all employees. So you have to make a public statement about how anti-racist so, so you are wh- to work there. S- tell me something. Mm-hmm. So how come the white kids don't get money if their pictures are in the thing? Because um, they're already privileged, I'm guessing. I don't know. But are they I don't know. I, but I don't know. I'm actually, I kind of agree with you. I'm not totally against the idea of the school paying students if they're using their image in ads and stuff. But I, yeah, like you, I don't understand why it's not other people. I mean, okay. Um, so there's mandatory community and diversity days to be held throughout the year, required anti-bias training for staff and parent volunteers, mandatory minority representation in the otherwise elected student leadership roles. So, like, the student council has to have X number of black And if nobody and runs stuff. for it, what happens? Well, there's probably, like, a black seat or whatever. Hmm? There's probably going to be, like, they want well, there to what be, if like... A black like, person doesn't want to sit in that seat? Well, somebody would have to run for the black seat. Right. Well, what if nobody does? Somebody would. I what guess. do you mean, somebody would? What if nobody wants to be in the dorky student council? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in they, my I experience, that- in my experience at schools like this, there is no shortage of people trying to run, you know, fill up their resume for college. Basically, you know what happens so. if nobody fills that one seat? They find somebody. No, they dissolve the student council. <laughs> um, oh, this one's great! Mandatory diversity plot lines in school plays. <laughs> Jesus. And the not over- only is this a play in any. School going to be <laughs> horrific, horrific. Now we're gonna weave through some lecturing so that we can browbeat the audience, like the cast of Hamilton did when Pence had the mm-hmm. bad luck to have uh, shown mm-hmm. up. And uh, the overhaul of the entire curriculum to d- reflect diversity narratives. That's so crazy. this is—I mean—that's the tip of the iceberg. Like I said, the letter is eight pages. I skimmed through a bunch of it, um, but yeah, I mean, they were a they. They still are a highly progressive school. So these are people that bought into all this, who did protests and held up their fists and did all the things that they were supposed Good. to do. Good. I am do. for all of these. So that's great. Couldn't happen to a better bunch of people. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's anyway the real problem with school reopenings and why I think I doubt schools will go back to normal next year or possibly ever. Um, 
And, and that is at the Patrick Swayze Dalton School mm-hmm. in New York. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. I think they do enjoy pain, clearly. You know what do hurt? <laughs> do- if you uh, <laughs> run afoul of one of the 12 new diversity enforcement <laughs> squad members. Jesus. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what else you got there, Alice? Anything else? Oh, yeah. That was a Dalton school. Can you imagine? <laughs> Idiots. Idiots. Jesus. This uh, 2020 is stupid. This racial reckoning of 2020. There was no racial reckoning of 2020. We, everybody did a bunch of stupid stuff. You know, yeah. everybody condemned what seemed to be the murder of a black man by police and then had conversations, conversations that some of us have been having for years about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Everybody beat up on the police and wants to defund the police. And then crime rates are in this important racial reconciliation. Crime rates are now through the roof. So the very people who this is supposed to be about now, you fed to the lions. Yay, racial reconciliation. Great. It's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Every I don't think I know somebody who didn't think that that uh, the George Floyd uh, killing was awful and horrific. We don't know if race has any damn thing to do with it, other than the fact that there was a black man, and and now all of academics and all these liberal groups can't see anything without race in it and use, you know, the the word racism that has no meaning anymore. At all. At all. Racism? I mean, (laughs) I still believe in the actual definition of it. I also believe that a white supremacist is a white supremacist. Mm Mm-hmm. But the 2020 definition of it is anybody who has a grievance at all based on anything whatsoever, mm-hmm. that's it. You are racist. You're racist, 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 racist. Yeah, and actually, um, this isn't just happening in frou-frou private schools either. Um, the Seattle public schools have implemented a um, a really great uh, diversity program, too, that I can uh, tell you a little bit about. the. So the Seattle public schools... Um, uh, somebody leaked their slideshow that they were giving the teachers. Um, they start off, which is now a thing that everybody does. This is the new like pronouns in bio is you have to acknowledge which Indian tribes ancestral lands you were on at the beginning of anything that you talk about. So the, the, um, the slideshow opens. We would like to acknowledge that we are on the ancestral lands and traditional territories of the Puget Sound Coast Sa- Salish people. Salish people. I don't even know. Mm, I bet you don't. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And then they also want to recognize the United States was built off the stolen labor of kidnapped African and enslaved black people's work, which created the profits that created our nation. So this is now going to be standard disclaimer on anything you do. You know, you're going to get up at your corporate conference, state your pronouns, explain what your race is, say which ancestral tribal lands you're occupying, and acknowledge that where you're standing today wouldn't be possible without the stolen labor of black and brown people. So that's going to have to be your disclaimer every time you introduce yourself. Um, They also recognize the brown labor currently happening in California and across the country working under terrible air quality conditions with wildfires burning 1.2 million acres of land in addition to the pandemic to pick strawberries for your smoothies. (laughs) That is great. Um, The participants on the Zoom meeting identify themselves by their gender pronouns and race labels. Fun bunch. I can tell you, man, that is a group to be around. (laughs) These include Laura Lenny. She, her pronouns, white. Laura Lenny? Lenny, L-E-H-N-I. Veronica Pugh. She, her pronouns, African-American. 
Nicole Coates, she, her pronouns, black, half black, and half white. You don't have to go through them all, Dallas. I'm already... There's also a he, him, Mexican, a she, her, Chicana, and a he, him, white. So what you mean Latinx people? No, she's she's Chicana. There's a Mexican person and a Chicana. So I don't know. Um, they tell teachers they must commit to the journey and do the inside-out work required to develop the right mindset, engage in self-reflection, check your implicit biases, practice <laughs> social emotional awareness, and hold an inquiry stance regarding the impact of our interactions. With students, as you begin your own inside-out work in this area, your lizard brain will start to freak out. It's afraid that you will have to talk about sensitive issues such as race, racism, classism, sexism, or any kind of ism. It is afraid that this conversation will make you vulnerable and open you to some type of emotional or physical attack. But this fear is not real. It is just your amygdala's ploy to get you to stay in your comfort zone. So that's good. If you don't like it, then uh, if you don't want to, as they say, bankrupt your privilege... In order to, um, what a joyless way to go through life! What a joyless they way to go through life! They also told the teacher they were committing spirit murder against black students, and uh, they want to um, make sure that the um, the teachers are anti-racist outside of the classroom as well. So I would hope um, so. Yeah. So yeah. So if you don't like that, if you don't enjoy that, that's just your lizard brain talking, and it's afraid. But you don't need to be because once you just accept. That two plus two is five. You can just relax right back into society. You will be accepted and loved once again. So, um, so yeah, things are going great. In where the is that the, the kids' ch- charity parade where Black Lives Matter? T- That's in the Twitter message. No, I know, but where, where, remember where in the country that happened? There's a kids' um, charity um, uh, event where they decorate a bunch of houses. Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. And uh, and Black Lives Matter showed up, and you know the kids just. It, some people on Twitter are like, "Jesus, there's kids there, you're just trying to enjoy this thing," and these folks are making this like really tough political stance in the middle of it. For kids with cancer, maybe we can just uh, <laughs> I don't know, take a little Black time off. Black kids get cancer too. Maybe, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is one of the one of the cars there. I don't mind the song. Anyway, there you go. So, um, so that is happening, and um, I don't even know. Hmm. The pandemic obviously is. You meet Jay Elsendor about 2020. The thing that was the hallmark of 2020, there was so much mourning, so much loss, so much um, sadness in this country. And there was a presidency um, that really failed to meet the moment in, in ways, objectively speaking, because the president. Objectively speaking, object, objectively speaking, she is objectively speaking, pure opinion. <laughs> this is the White House reporter whose job it is, is to convey information to you. She is now, quote, objectively speaking, while editorializing to you. Mm-hmm. Downplayed the virus. He didn't take it seriously. Um, it's large in part based on my reporting why he lost. He didn't take it seriously, which is mm-hmm. why there's no vaccines anywhere in this country yet. And I assume there will never be. Didn't take it seriously, even though 
your buddy Bill Nye, the science moron, said that we wouldn't get <laughs> vaccines for two years. The election, I think you couple the pandemic's terrible loss with, with the political upheaval. And I also want to point out the statistic that I think continues to stick with me, which is that African-Americans are more than two and a half times, three times more likely to die than white Americans of the coronavirus pandemic in the same year that African-Americans are some two and a half times to three times more likely to be killed by the police than white Americans. So this was also a year where the pandemic exposed the longstanding inequalities in this country. And it showed that African-Americans and people of color continue to not be treated as equal citizens in this country. So I think that that is the thing that sticks with me. It's those dual crises of health care and economy, as well as the racial right. reckoning that continues to happen. And it's for those reasons why we have to go burn down black owned businesses, celebrate the destruction of black neighborhoods and cause the crime, crime mm-hmm. rate where the victims are black to go through the roof. Yeah. Not to mention uh, ticketing black people for not following the rules. Um, so and South Texas is having a big problem with this because um uh, ProPublica did a big story about how like they put in these really heavy duty restrictions because the these communities, which are primarily minority communities along the South Texas border here, were getting hit super hard by COVID. And uh, they now have hundreds of people in jail and about 2000 people ticketed, predominantly minorities by the police who I thought we were supposed to hate this year. I can't even keep track of where we are because they weren't following COVID rules. And it seems to me that somehow that's a little bit counterproductive, that we should be able to reach a point where we can say we're going to keep minority communities safe from a virus without throwing them all in jail for breaking our rules that we're totally willing to break ourselves because we're important rich people who have vacation homes on Fenwick Island and eat, you know, (laughs) hundreds of dollars per person dinners at French Laundry and go to golf clubs without masks and all these other things. But no, minority communities break the rules, throw them in jail. So... That's uh, that's great, perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, one last thing. I, I, I don't mean to pick on Yimiche. It's just that I've, I happen to be watching Meet the Press today, and this is, and this is so important to talk about the media and their role going forward. Remember, now mm-hmm. they're covering Joe Biden. They're covering the president. They covered the last presidents. Um, I would say closely and with uh, fervor. Now they've got a new president to cover. To, to scrutinize the president is a good thing. It's healthy. It's healthy for us uh-huh. to know what's going on. Absolutely. You know, you, and it's important. If you're a reporter, a good reporter, especially when you're dealing with seasoned politicians mm-hmm. and their flax, who are many of them are seasoned as well, you don't accept any premise. You don't be, you can't use it, allow yourself to be led anywhere. You have to scrutinize and dissect everything these people say. Remember, you're to be, um, Antagonistic, antagonist is, is 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 not a good thing to be. You don't want to be you know jerk yelling at the mm-hmm. at the press people, but you want you don't want to be friendly. Right. I mean, these are not your pals. Um, so just one thing caught me. One last thing that Yimiche said about uh, about Trump's handling of the of the Russian uh, hack, which is a big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. which we should talk more about tomorrow. Um, which is a big deal. And Trump so far has barely said anything. We don't know what the administration will do. I assume they'll step into action if they already aren't. It might be something that they're going to have to work with the Biden people on. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, here's Yimiche on uh, Trump's uh, reaction to the Russian thing. And Democrats demanding that the president do more, be more strenuous, be more, um, right. be more hard on Russia. The president just can't get himself there. President Trump can't do it. President-elect right. Biden is going to try. 
Biden's going to try. Trump can't. Right. Biden will try. Biden, I know it's confirmed. He will try. <laughs> he will try. She knows he's going to try, not because she knows he's going to try, but she has a feeling he's a good guy. <laughs> In he's the heart. good team. Yes, the good team's going to try. Biden's going to try. Based on what? You mean, no, he's going to try. We know that. <laughs> Jesus. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Who was yelling? Oh, okay. <sighs> um, a little bit more media coverage. Margaret Brennan from CBS's Face the Nation. She, um, <laughs> Jesus, what a crazy year. This really has exposed the stupidity. She's uh, yelling at the Surgeon General, Jerome... Adams. Jerome Adams. She wants the president to um, get a vaccination. Mm-hmm. His feeling is that the president doesn't have to get a vaccination. Because he already had the disease. Well, <laughs> at least you'd think that's a reason. <laughs> but she's not. She wants him getting a damn vaccination. <laughs> Anything he's doing, he has to stop doing. Anything he's not doing, he has to start doing. Because Trump's bad. But that same study from uh, the Kaiser Foundation uh, shows that this vaccine hesitancy cuts across racial lines. It also cuts across political ones. But I want to drill in here because the highest amount of hesitancy about taking the shot is from Republicans, 42 percent, according according to Kaiser. Uh, Rural residents, 35 percent. Wouldn't it help to persuade? I don't necessarily believe that. So and in the same study, they found that independents, 36 percent of them are hesitant, you know, and Mm. all those numbers are a minority. But they're all, you know, they're all comparable. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Those Republicans, if the Republican president himself came out to try to persuade them to take the vaccine, he says he's so proud he fast tracked. Do you have plans to have President Trump get a shot in the arm on camera? From a scientific point of view, I will remind people that the president has had COVID within the last 90 days. He received the monoclonal antibodies, and that is actually one scenario where we tell people maybe you should hold off on getting the vaccine, talk to your health provider to find out the right time. But that so doesn't make you aside, immune. There is a medical reason. That doesn't make yes, you but immune. politics aside. He's a public health expert, uh, Margaret. He just cited the science, Margaret. Mm-hmm. These are sacred things. It, it, right. it, well, it does not, but we know that monoclonal antibodies, if you've been administered in them, actually uh, are a potential reason why medically we would tell you to hold off on the vaccination. Okay, so if he can't take the shot, which you're saying is for medical reasons, you think, why doesn't he at least come out and do the public service announcements to the people who voted for him, who trust him, and the vaccine he says he's so proud of? He created the vaccine. Operation Warp <laughs> Speed is Trump's right. deal. The vaccine is available and becoming more available because um, of what he did. No. Right. He has to go over there and demonstrate, put on a performance. We're into performances now. He needs to. The guy who played Gandalf did it. Trump needs to. <laughs> and uh, I want to I pose a not totally hypothetical question to you, which is um, if Trump went out there and got the vaccine, do you think that these same people would be cheering for him to get the vaccine and pleased with him? Uh, No, I think (laughs) that the uh, 50,000 word New York Times, um, what's that uh, squad they have that writes the important stuff? The editorial board? No, the people who broke the Catholic scandal. 
the like spotlight. Globe spotlight. The spotlight yeah. team would be talking about how this man who not only created the COVID disaster in the United States and didn't take it seriously, then is taking advantage of all the uh, healthcare mm-hmm. worker stuff. He stepped in line in front of every so, other American. And uh, let me tell you, Anna Navarro, who's one of our most favorite people, uh, tweeted this morning. Because Marco Rubio got the vaccine, honey, on camera with his white arm mm-hmm. and got the shot. She tweeted, young, healthy senator who spoke at rallies packed with thousands without masks, who supports Trump, who's downplayed COVID and mocked those who wear masks, is first to get vaccine, while most medical workers, elderly and infirm Americans wait. Congratulations on your privilege, Marco Rubio. That's about what you'd expect. <laughs> This is all of this stuff is just emotions. Margaret Brennan here (laughs) asking questions of this guy. These are just her emotions. What she's really just saying is I bleeping hate Donald Trump so freaking much. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, I appreciate the question and I would refer you to the White House. I can only speak for me. I got vaccinated. The vice president got vaccinated and uh, plenty of uh, Republicans look at him and see him uh, getting vaccinated. And I hope that people will talk to their trusted health providers uh, and get the information they need to make an appropriate choice to help us reopen our economy and to get back to normal and to save lives. No no, no good. (laughs) Meanwhile, of course, CNN is now brought in uh, St. Anthony Fauci to to, uh, speak to children who have questions because it's Christmas time. And kids, right around Christmas... I find that our kids, anyway, always have healthcare policy questions that they want to ask <laughs> right around Christmas time. They're hugely, um, they're hugely curious about this stuff. After my grandparents get the vaccine, but I have not, can I still go visit them without wearing a mask? What an off the cuff query that was, huh? Interesting question. Hmm. Mm, such a good question. That's Sanjay Gupta, I think, on the right. He's uh-huh, a moron. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody, I don't know, on the left, it might be Allison Camerata or something. Mm-hmm. Huh, such a good question. It's interesting. It's almost like an adult wrote it. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, yeah. if a grandparent yeah. gets it, yeah. Well, if your grandparent gets it, you still need to be careful and wear a mask. Because until we get this blanket of protection over everyone, you can't be absolutely certain that there isn't virus there. So notice that Fauci talks to kids just like he talks to us. There's no difference in tone or vocabulary whatsoever. He thinks that all of us are children who need this kind of guidance. We're stupid. You know, when it makes sense to tell the stupids that the masks don't do well because the stupids will go and buy all the masks. Well, then we'll tell them that. Now it makes sense to tell the stupids to keep your mask on. So we'll just talk to more stupids. Uh, Vaccines are extremely important to ending this outbreak. But until we get the full component of almost everyone vaccinated, we can't abandon the common public health measures of wearing a mask. So, yes, you still should be wearing a mask. Got that? (laughs) Where is it? I've got something. There's another Fauci one. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So that's... (laughs) So then they bring out they bring out more kids in front of the Zoom cameras to ask these off the cuff questions. It's around Christmas, so as usual, as usual, it's about um, antibodies, etc. How did Santa get the vaccine? Um, and Elmo's back for something else that I think is on a lot of kids' minds. Elmo's been employed now. <sighs> Elmo's friend has a question about Santa Claus. 
How did Santa get the vaccine? Thanks for that, Elmo, by the way. That was crucial that he make an appearance. And is it safe for him to go in the house? How can Santa Claus safely give out presents? This is an adult speaking out loud because a kid is signing the question. Mm-hmm. Because, of course. With COVID-19 spreading everywhere, how can he do it? Will Santa still be able to... A visit me in coronavirus season. What if he can't go to anyone's house? Or what if my acting is subpar <laughs> and it seems like I'm reading this piece of paper? Near his reindeer. Jesus. <laughs> well, how dirty should you be feeling if you're CNN right now? Um, but then again, you know, you know, you, no, I mean, why not? Grab the kids, chuck them in front of you, grab Elmo, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. It you know, is- and if, 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 if in Florida somebody goes in and shoots the hell out of a school and killing, you know, two dozen, uh, you know, young t- teenagers in high school, you know, grab those kids from the drama club next door, throw them under the Klieg lights, make them stars to slam the president in gun rights people. CNN loves using kids. It's really incredible. And, and I mean, so there's just the pure consumerism terribleness of CNN doing this and Sesame Street and Fauci and the whole thing. The, and the parents coaching up the kids to say these totally natural questions yeah. that kids always coach, ask. Coach better, by the way. But also, there's something really sinister and weird about what we have done to kids during the COVID pandemic. And it creeps me out. That kids would even be wondering that. Like, they've so frightened and terrorized their kids about the idea of anyone coming in the house that something magical and happy like Santa Claus is now a potential source of fear for children. Yeah. That, oh no, well, what if Santa comes in? I've heard that having people in my house can make everyone die. So, what if, how can Santa Santa come wants in? you to inform on the neighbors. <laughs> I have to say, I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presence. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. Dr. Fauci. But will he have to remove his mask to eat the cookies, Dr. Fauci? This is on the cable news network where two of the journalists are involved in a skit where a public health official makes up a story to kids who are also reading off of a script. They're doing a vignette. Actually, you've made so many kids around the world so happy just now. Except for the ones uh, doing self-harm because you've uh, kept them inside and are doing the bidding of the teachers' unions because uh, the very non-political CDC is, um, you know, is cowed just like everybody else. Well, and, I mean, I just, then on Twitter, like, when I was looking up this post and a bunch of the replies to it are people saying, like, oh, my God, I just teared up. That's so touching. I'm, like, literally crying because Fauci said he vaccinated Santa. And I'm thinking, like, what is, really, what is wrong with Eva? Like, who sees that? And it's like, that is so touching. Wow. That's beautiful. 
But you <laughs> the know, government I, official went and vaccinated Santa. Like, you know, wouldn't we think, by the way, that Santa doesn't need a vaccination? Uh, wouldn't yeah. we think that he is? He's been through. This is not his first rodeo. He was through the Spanish flu, too. Mm-hmm. He goes through a whole bunch of stuff. He delivered presents to kids during the air war in Europe. Right. You know, I think that maybe Santa's powers yeah, and did they allow do? him to not need <laughs> Anthony Fauci in his life. <laughs> well, and, I mean, did they do sketches on the BBC in World War II about how will Santa's sleigh not be hit by the German bombers? Fauci, look, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I think we I speak for everybody, probably in the world, I'm thanking you for all... I speak for everybody in the world. <laughs> ...all of your hard work, all of your diligence in helping us fight this coronavirus. We wish you a happy, healthy holiday, and I might add... A happy 80th birthday on Christmas Eve as well, sir. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Sanjay. Thank you, Eric. It's great to be with you. Thank you for thank having you. me. I think I speak for everybody in the whole world. <laughs> Meanwhile, thank award-winning Yemi Chael Cinder is saying, we know Joe Biden's going to do something really good. Jesus. <sighs> well, it reminds me of like when um, we talked about the Joe Biden stuff the other day, and they reported on it. They were like, oh, this was roundly dismissed as a totally oh, yes. sexist attack. Everyone acknowledge. Yes. I think we speak By for everyone She's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. That's exactly right. We speak right. for everyone in the world when we say this was sexist. Well, you know, she famously punched <laughs> a bully who was mean to her sister. Now, you once said in your own memoir, the role I have always felt most at home in. Colbert in this interview is so <laughs> ridiculously disgraceful. He's so happy. He's elated. He's, his feelings aren't hurt anymore, and he's asking questions, and he's like, he's got a tie on again. I thought we were in fascism right now. Well, yeah, but I think he's too over the aura of the Biden relief is so on the horizon now that he's is Dr. Biden. Now, some people have recently taken it upon themselves to question that title of yours. Do you have any reaction to those people? Yeah, that was such a surprise. It caught me by surprise as well. I did not see that. Stephen, calm the freak down for a moment. Don't breathe her in quite yet, okay? That one coming. No, nor did I. And, you know, it was really the tone of it that I think that, um, you know, he called me kiddo. And one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, is my doctorate. I mean, I work so... I find that freaking bizarre. I find that bizarre. <laughs> By the way, who has a list of things that they're proud of themselves about? <laughs> One of the things, I mean, there are a lot of things. One of them, by the way, is the doctorate. Is that I paid a transaction for somebody to give me guidance on something to write, and then I wrote something to them, and then they gave me a piece of paper that's on my wall, and now I can call myself something different. <laughs> that's one of the things I'm very proud of. There are a lot of things, but that's one. Who the freak would care? Who would care? She's who's proud of anything you do in college? I don't understand that. I live in the United States in 2020. I'm one of the luckiest people in the history of civilization ever, and I got my diploma today from Northeastern <laughs> University, and I'm really proud of me for it. That in peacetime, I was able to take mediocre, subpar, or you know, as a dumb person, was able to you know do monotonous work and whatever between partying. So now I'm proud of me, you see, and I've got a thing on the wall there, and I get to be called a special name. You have to call me a special name. (laughs) 
How is that not like extremely classist? I think too that people with bachelor's degrees should demand to be called bachelor everywhere they go. Right. And master's degrees, master and bachelor, they should all go around. I don't know if master's every... going far else. <laughs> Hard for it. And uh, and my, you know, Joe came when I defended my thesis and um, but, you know, it... I got to hand her a doctorate <laughs> on the stage, University of Delaware. But she had two master's degrees. She kept going to school all the time while teaching at night. And then what happens is I said, Jill, why don't you get a doctor to make us some real money? She gets the doctor <laughs> and gets a $2,000 raise. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, that's, yeah, how the Biden family gets money, I think. Well, I think that's right. what we've learned this year. Yeah, is the that- big man uh, was looking for a better kickback than two grand, Jill. <laughs> Jill but Biden's $2,000 raise is really the difference maker for the Biden family. It's, it's also like, I know it's, he's a senior citizen and like he just sometimes coughs up the <laughs> comments but the comment is very interesting you know so i told her to make some money she comes like two grand <laughs> for biden here but look at all the people who came out in support of me i i mean i am so grateful and i was you know i was just overwhelmed by uh how gracious people were to Do you think me. it might be a little bit of a compliment that people were trying to think of something to criticize you about and they were like, <laughs> oh, what do we got? I, I got it. Okay, I'll take it that now, way. Now, what about you as a husband who loves this person? Did you ever, you know, want to like get out of length of pool chain and go full corn pop on these people? <laughs> the answer is it's no. Close. The answer is no. <laughs> no, no, but, it her. but there's some of these, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was yeah. just the tone. You laugh, Jill. Colbert, you say, uh-huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, the old man is flamed out in front of us. But no. I've been suppressing my Irishness for a long time. It's always a smart thing to do. I don't know if that's true, considering you wanted to fight about eight people on the campaign trail, you know, including an auto worker and the, the guy he called Fatty wanted to get into a push-up contest with. He wanted Suppressing to take Trump outside a few times, too. This guy, you know Jill jumped right into when mm-hmm. we talked about him getting up uh, yeah. angry and violent? She's yeah. like, no, no, he doesn't talk about that. You don't want it to happen. You know. Listen to Colbert ask this question. I just got to get, this reminds me of my Michael Graham days with the Harry Smith. Oh, it's, a, it's an odd reference. I'll tell you about it later. But Colbert asked this question, and it hurts him to have to ask. He's talking about Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to want to ask this question about Hunter Biden, uh, Mr. Biden, but (sighs) then he starts the question. You don't want it to happen. You know that the people who want to make hay in Washington are going to try to use your adult son as a cudgel against you. No further context brought (laughs) forth by Stephen Colbert as to why that might be. (sighs) They're going to use the pictures of the of the cocaine and the you know the indictments and you know the the feds looking at him and the the eighty thousand dollar ring that the Chinese communist government gave him. <sighs> They're gonna ask questions about that. How do you feel about that, and what do you have to say to those people? Well, look, uh, I have we have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. What do you mean? That's your intelligence services. Your intelligence services now are investigating your son. Yeah. You're not, You're not concerned? Do you, do you have anything to say about that? It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play. But uh, look, it is what it is. And uh, he's a great... I don't like him attacking our institutions. Yeah. 
being used to get to him? Foul play? I don't like that. Own man. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in terms of pure intellectual. Jesus, even Jill's got to be like, oh, <laughs> I'm the one with the doctor's degree. Maybe we should back down a little bit on Hunter being the smartest. <laughs> you know, I mean, to to do drugs off of a naked woman is one thing. <laughs> to record it. I don't know if the smartest man's I'm recording I'm pretty sure it. the Russians recorded it. But well, who knows? Who knows? And if he actually did drop off laptops, which doesn't seem like something, I would <laughs> hope that he's a better dirtbag than that. Capacity, um, and uh, and as long as he's good, we're good. Um, and as a father, I understand that, and 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 I, I admire that. But I mean, in terms of your job as president, can you reach across to the aisle to people who will be using this as an attack on you when it is such? a personal attack because it's about family. But if it benefits the country, yeah. Not what Colbert's wanting to hear. <laughs> Get, please be pissed off at these SOBs for doing this. Your completely innocent son who doesn't has not engaged in any kind of behavior <coughs> who I would ever make fun of on a comedy show, usually, if I wasn't a partisan activist, you know, it, 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 Yes, I really mean it. Because we know who we are. We, no, You're no, no, a better no. man than I. I'm no, no, not no, sure no, if no, I don't could get do me that. Wrong. If, if that's possible. I mean. <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not angry. It doesn't mean I wasn't angry. And it doesn't mean if I were back in the days in high school, I wouldn't say, come here, you know, and go around. But that, well, you have to take There's that. Jill again. There's Jill again. Every time he starts to say something violent, she's Just like, well. Oh, fantasize about beating people yes. up. Yes. But, but, and because, look, there's so much at stake. And the American people... I think they can smell the phoniness, smell what's true and what's Jesus. not true. Not everybody smells people like you do, Joe. <laughs> so, Boris Johnson, I have bad news for um, the Brits. This sucks for you guys. I'm sorry about that, but they are lucky. That, there's no doubt there is a coronavirus spike, etc., and that's tragic. Lockdowns are also tragic. Given the early evidence we have on this new variant of the virus, the potential risk it poses, uh, it is with a very heavy heart, I must tell you, we cannot continue with Christmas as planned. In England, those living in Tier 4 areas should not mix with anyone outside their own household at Christmas, though support bubbles will remain in place for those at particular support risk of bubbles. loneliness or isolation. It is nice to have a communicator, though. You know, mm -hmm. I, I no matter what, I'm always going to like Boris Johnson because he's nuts and right. <laughs> I like Boris I Johnson. Yeah, I stumbled on One of our children has been unfairly compared to oh. Boris Johnson for his hair So style. anyway, Londoners, Boris tells them that, you know, everybody is locked down as of like uh, Midnight. 72 hours ago, whatever. And Londoners um, got the hell out of Dodge. I'm here at London Euston train station, which is one of the main transport hubs for taking people to the north of England from London. It's pretty packed tonight. And the reason is Boris Johnson is going to put London into tier four of lockdown restrictions as of midnight, which means that people won't be able to leave the city and they won't be able to mix for Christmas. That means that a lot of people are trying to escape before midnight in order to see their relatives. So perfect. Seems like that plan worked perfectly. If you're going to do that, then you really have to be like China and just without warning, just seal up the doors of the building or like put up roadblocks with armed That's, patrols because that is all come. Or you know what you can because do? If you, because if you do it halfway, it's worse than not doing it at all. That's what it is, though. Is it's like if you say we're locking down the country and you can't travel as of midnight tonight, so get everything done before then, and then everyone packs into the crowded train station and travels to the less impacted areas of the country without the 
heavy-duty lockdown measures. That's the same thing we saw here. Immediately, all the New Yorkers went to vacation homes in more right. rural areas and brought the virus there. So, I, I mean, it's counterproductive, them the, doing the, this. The way this to way. do this correctly is to employ <laughs> Santa Claus. Bring Santa Claus into the uh, House of Commons. Father Christmas. In Parliament, exactly, and let them uh, let Santa convince them to do things. Rashida Tlaib is only the re- of the squad is only the most recent person to bring Santa into Congress to yell at congressmen <laughs> about ca- climate change. They also brought kids, of course. <laughs> so today, Santa came to the U.S. Capitol. Uh, we're right outside of the House floor of the United States House of Representatives and came and talked about the need to save his home. We know the climate crisis is something that we're all very, very much worried about, especially mothers like myself. <laughs> So she let the, everybody know in front of the kids that she let the kids know that Santa and uh, Mrs. Claus would be irradiated by the uh, hot sun uh, in uh, you know in within the next decade if uh, unless climate legislation yeah. didn't pass. And she's the very no more thoughtful, presents at Christmas. Correct. She's get- a very thoughtful Rashida Tlaib, who just a month and a half ago had a different concern. We are experiencing a global pandemic, and now our U.S. Postal Service is under attack. Let it be clear, this administration is waging an authoritarian campaign to sabotage this election by manipulating the Postal Service to suppress our votes. And they are threatening the livelihood of our postal workers, our seniors, our veterans, and so many more in the process. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is fascism. We will not stand for... I don't know how the temperature got raised. I don't understand. <laughs> this now or ever. In Michigan, right now... Machines capable of sorting 35,000 pieces of mail per hour have disappeared from postal facilities. Brave workers are blowing the whistle and saying that they've never seen anything like this. <sighs> Meanwhile, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, also a squad member, has a very, um, a very astute uh, <laughs> metaphor uh, for Mitch McConnell. Remember in Bonnie and Clyde, there was Bonnie, Clyde, and Mitch. Georgia, do you think? A lot to Georgia, but do your thing, Georgia. Do what you do. All eyes are on Georgia. Mitch McConnell, Leffler, Purdue, they are the Bonnie and Clyde of corruption. They are all the same. We need to regain control of this Senate. Georgia, do what you do. I, I, I could not have said any better, so I'm just going to leave it right there. Thank you, journalist. <laughs> you know, don't, they're the Bonnie and Clyde and Clyde, I guess, of... of um, of politicians. Mitch, David, Purdue, and Kelly Leffler. Bonnie and Clyde. And Clyde. <laughs> Meanwhile, over on uh, MSNBC with Chris Hayes, he brought in uh, Mehdi Hassan to talk about Trump and his um, his handling of COVID. And he, of course, very respected thinker in journalistic communities, has uh, his own uh, observations. I mean, the two... Worst presidents of the last hundred years are the last two Republican presidents, the current one, Donald Trump and George W. Bush, which speaks volumes about the modern Republican Party. Uh, And also, when you compare Trump and Bush, Bush killed hundreds of thousands of people abroad, you know, brown and black people in faraway countries that we don't care about. Donald Trump killed hundreds of thousands of people or presided over the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, preventable death 
here at home in the United States of America. And that, for me, you know, you talk about morally abominable. It's sociopathic. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show the four words that will be the epitaph is we want more. All these Republican presidents just kill hundreds of thousands of people. Just love it's it. Remarkable. Infections. We want more infected. Uh, you know, what about who cares in those emails? That jumped out at me. This guy, Paul Alexander, writes, if we have more cases, more people okay, infected, more, more positive tests, who cares? And you take who cares, you add it to Donald Trump's it is what it is. You add it to Jared Kushner's that's their problem when people in New York are dying. This is sociopathic. This is not just morally abominable. Yeah. And I think people should be held to account. I think they should be prosecuted. The people behind these preventable deaths should be prosecuted when they leave office on January 20th. <clears throat> uh, Governor Cuomo, any uh, reaction to that? Jesus. Moron. Uh, let's see. What else do we have before we go, Alice? Anything jump out at you? Uh, this. Uh, oh, yes, my this the TikTok girl, Alice. This is tough to set up because I think this TikTok girl has the name George in her name. I believe it is a human being female. Um, and she has she's got um, uh, um armpit hair, <laughs> and her head is mostly shaved, but not all shaved. <laughs> She has gone to great lengths to look like a scary organism. <laughs> um, and there's this movement on to do that. Or I don't know. Some folks uh, just just want to show you. They want to animate or, you know, you know how miserable they are. So I have this thing. Call it a little quirk, if you will. I have hair in my armpits. I have it there for a few reasons. One, lazy. Two, the patriarchy oh, and three Damn it, I forgot. your Sorry. response to them tells me everything i need to know about you and i like the little bit of vocal burn at the end so you know that she's uh, highly educated <laughs> that is great that is <sighs> great hold on don't go anywhere else let me just make sure there's nothing else i want to hit before we go what oh okay answer will be done in a second we're almost done, Anson. Hang on. We're almost done, Anson. Hang on. I do She's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. Go ahead. Uh, I do have one more thing. So we talked the other day about Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. and you shared some of your thoughts on Game of Thrones with us. So Game of Thrones is kind of back in the news on people who read fantasy books Twitter because uh, George R.R. R. Martin, who writes the Game of Thrones book, uh, he has gotten stuck at book five and has not published anymore. Oh, Jesus <clears throat> Uh, conversation I am not thrilled to be in already. <laughs> so, but he has some criticisms of Tolkien. So we've been reading a lot of Tolkien at our house lately, mm -hmm. and like watching the movies and everything. So I want you to listen to this criticism of Tolkien. Here's and I Sophie know Turner, by the way. If I can wear a mask while I give birth, you can wear a mask at Walmart, and that's the tea. Okay, what's the tea on uh, Tolkien? Uh, the tea is uh, that. George R. R. Martin uh, told Tolkien fans uh, that life is very full. <laughs> Sorry, life is very full of sex, or should be. As much as I admire Tolkien, and I do, he was a giant of fantasy and a giant of literature, and I think he wrote a great book that will be read for many years. You do have to wonder where all those hobbits came from, since you can't imagine hobbits having sex, can you? Well, sex is an important says part. you. Sex is an important part of who we are. It drives mm -hmm. us. It motivates us. It makes us do sometimes very noble things, and it makes us do sometimes incredibly stupid things. Leave it out, and you've got an incomplete world. So the guy, uh, have you seen George R. R. Martin? No. Is he a handsome man like me? Uh, He's approximately three of you, I would say. 
Is it fat? <laughs> really fat. Really? Oh, yeah. nice. Um, and uh, and you've seen some tidbits of the show, the Game of Thrones show. There's a lot of sex and yeah. gore and stuff in Game yeah. of Thrones. It's, um, so, but he he's criticizing Tolkien. He's saying that Tolkien's fantasy world is incomplete because there's no on camera, as it were, sex mm-hmm. scenes in in Lord of the Rings. I would have liked to see Gollum get busy <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit more than he did. It's funny that you say that because one of the people on Twitter who was upset about this was saying that, like, yeah, he skipped all the bathroom scenes and all the sex scenes and, yes. and Gollum fapping for a hundred years in his caves in the mountains. And so, I mean, my thought, I absolutely don't think that to create a complete world, you need to have the sex explicitly in there happening on the page. I mean, do you think that? No, Alice. Do you think I think he, George he R. R. Martin is an idiot. <laughs> I don't watch him or or pay any attention to his moronic actors. I can wear a mask. God, I can also get so. hit by a chop. <laughs> so, so yeah. Also, people have uh, called into question how very full of sex his life is. Very unfairly. You attacking one of my brethren, <laughs> Alice? Not very nice. Uh, this has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Parlor at Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. You can even find us on YouTube. We have a channel there. You can watch videos of the show. You can like, comment, and you can um, subscribe. Say la Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.